Everything you've heard about the KISS years and the KISS stage shows and the spectacle is true. It's not a legend. We're going to show every new band how the big boys do it. This is better for me the second time than it was the first time because I'm focused and I'm in control and I'm in the greatest band in the world. It's really about a lifestyle and an attitude towards winning. But you're kind of like a spaceman. No, actually, I'm a plumber. <laughs> <laughs> to myself, look, Eric, you're going to do the best you can. You know you're good, you know the songs, and that's all you can do. So it is just like a great opportunity that, that just suddenly landed in my lap. And... This one's going to be exceptional. Now I'm in the best band. I was in some good bands, but now I'm in the best band. The challenge with Destroyer was that after doing an album like Alive that was so huge, most people would expect us to fall on our faces and slide into obscurity. While Kiss was a preeminent live attraction, we didn't know how to be who we were in the studio. So at that point, Bob Ezrin was the one who came to the forefront. He was an accomplished studio producer. He was doing all this great stuff with Alice Cooper. He came to see us because a 15-year-old kid in Canada came up to him and said, there's this really cool band, dude, and you should be their producer, and they're called, like, Kiss, man. So Bob Ezrin came to see us live. And I watched 13,000 people get up on their feet and stay on their feet for three hours. Solid. I just saw this band destroy the crowd, and I knew immediately that this was an important force, and I wanted to work with them. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Right Between the Eyes podcast, a Kiss podcast with three generations of KISS fans telling you why we love it loud. I'm one of your hosts, Rob Myers, and welcome to episode 19, our fourth and final part of the KISS Destroyer 45th Anniversary Super Deluxe French Fry Box Set Big Mac Combo Meal that you bought. (sighs) As always, I am joined with my two wonderful co-hosts, the Carusos, Nick and Nico. How are you guys doing this evening? I'm doing great, man. This what we're going to do today is a great trip down memory lane for me because I remember going to the store, riding my bike Mm. to purchase this masterpiece that we're going to dive into in a little bit here. That's exciting. It's one of the big ones, which is it's always fun to talk about the big ones. We did rock and roll over. We're doing this one. Uh, This one's going to be fun. It's going to be really fun. I don't know if we would have gotten to this one. I think I probably would have held this one a little bit longer in the show, like maybe get another year behind us and then kind of slip us in. Oh, yeah. So up front this year is really heavy with anniversaries. So there's going to be some anniversaries we are definitely going to hit, but we don't want to hit all of these. And we get to year two or three in the podcast. And we're like, well, we've already reviewed all the fun albums, but getting this box set and being the first box set, it only felt fitting to talk about destroyer. So this isn't necessarily us talking just about this release. This is destroyer as a whole. And going back to the original 78, I've, I've listened to a couple of different versions mm-hmm. over the week and the songs pretty much, you can, we can pick all the nuances about the, you know, Bob Ezrin mix from 2019 and then the remasters from, was it 2004, whenever that, whenever those were, but this is destroyer as a whole, there are a couple of things I want to read here 
before we get started. So here's a little bit of background on Destroyer. After attaining a modest commercial success with their first three studio albums, Kiss achieved a commercial breakthrough with 1975's concert album Alive. It was the first album by the band to be certified gold. The success of Alive, which spent a whopping 110 weeks on the charts, benefited not only the struggling band, but their cash-strapped label, Casablanca. Kiss signed a new contract with Casablanca in 1975, partly because the label had been very supportive from the start of the band's career. This contract was for two albums and indicated that Casablanca was unsure if the group could duplicate its accomplishments of Alive. Rehearsals for Destroyer started in August 1975 with the group embarking on support for the Alive tour. Bob Ezrin had previously worked with Alice Cooper, was brought in to produce the album. The band felt that Ezrin was the right person to help them take the sound to the next level and maintain the commercial success they'd achieved with Alive. Before meeting Ezrin, the band had written and recorded 15 demos, which some of them we've just talked about in a previous couple episodes at Magna Carta Graphic Studios in 1975. The first demo recorded during the story session was Ain't None of Your Business featuring Peter Chris on vocals. So this album was recorded September 3rd through the 6th, 1975 through January and then February 1976 was released March 15th, 1976, recorded at Electric Lady Studios and the record plane in New York City. The album's length is 35 minutes and 28 seconds on Casablanca Records, produced by Bob Ezrin, featuring the band members of Paul Stanley, Peter Chris, Ace Freely, and Gene Simmons. You talked about getting this album. That just kind of set me back to go imagine like my first album picking up was hot in the shade i would be old enough my first album probably could have should have been animalize or you know look it up yeah. right around there but to be able to pick up destroyer and hold it as a kid like what what were you thinking let's look at the album cover this classic yeah. album cover which we know the cover art for destroyer was painted by fantasy artist ken kelly and first one was done that most of us know was done in their alive costumes and the band says oh no we're changing our costumes they thought it was a little too violent and too much explosions going on so the cover was redone to our now classic cover and we talk about rock and roll over being a very iconic album cover i don't know is this one a and there's one b it's it's hard to decide which the two um covers that you like more but there's just there's something very comic book about it. And I mean that with the utmost respect that these are superheroes come larger than life and they're coming right out. So what did you think when you first held this I mean, album? As like an 11 year old kid who, again, I had, I had gotten alive first, which I'm going to be honest with you. I think I got alive when destroyer was out already. Okay. But I was told to get alive first, but it, it was shortly thereafter. Cause I know it was warm out. It was the summer. When I rode my my bike back to the stained glass eye, which was a little independent record store, and I remember holding and looking at this album. And as a kid, as fifty seven year old guy looking at this album cover, it is the epitome of what Kiss is. There is no greater album cover. I would beg to differ with anybody about Rock and Roll Over whoa, whoa, and Love Gun whoa, and all that. Whoa, whoa, whoa. This is Settle truly this is truly Kiss. Yeah. Because yeah. it, it depicts four characters, if you will, 
You took the words right out of my mouth, Rob. Comic book characters, superheroes, bigger than life, legendary space aliens, monsters, whatever you want to say. This album cover screams something different to you. Yeah. We talked in the last episode of where is the book. Sometimes the book covers the cover is better than the book or whatever. This was a case where everything was perfect. There was complete harmony with what you were looking at. And then as you took this album out and dropped it on the turntable, what you heard. Listen, I love you brought up the comic book thing because that's the first thing I thought of when I just looked at it right now and trying to formulate what I was going to say. This is the most quintessential Kiss album cover. I still think the best one is Rock and Roll Over. I think that this is 1B, but if you want to get the full look of the band and the full feel, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if there's a visual image that sums up Kiss, it's this album cover. And um, just the way the color scheme goes from that dark sky to the blue all the way to that fiery steam mist fog whatever that is at the end and them and all their get up is awesome so it um this is a rare occasion where the album cover is elite and the content the actual album itself is elite as well oh yeah and i love the back of the album cover as well i remember taking a look at that of going like were these cities that they destroyed or these cities that they saved or what what is burning in the background you're just seeing it's telling a story that you don't know what the story is yeah. and you can just kind of get lost in. I mean, we're, it sounds funny to say we're almost talking about it as if we're flipping through a comic book and we're trying yeah. to figure out what the story is just by this image. That's how striking this is and how iconic. I mean, they're like the Coke logo. Mm-hmm. You know, you mm-hmm. can show Destroyer to anyone and you're going to know they're going to know what it is. And most people will know the key songs that are coming off this album. It's Def Leppard was famous for saying they released hysteria and it's almost a greatest hits coming right out of the gate. By the time the album's over, I think kiss started that trend. I mean, some other bands did too, mm-hmm. but you're talking about, you could give this to somebody and you pretty much have the band's whole career and songs that we've probably heard a million times, a good lion share come off of this album. So Let's go to a place that's just up north of me, and let's go to Detroit Rock City. I know we've kind of, in some of our other podcasts, we've kind of talked about it recently, but I remember hearing this for the, like, the first time I heard it, truth be told, was actually on Smashes, Thrashes, and Hits. Completely different mix, Mm -hmm. and the intro is gone and the car crashed, but when I finally heard the original recording of it, I remember thinking, like, what are are they in the studio eating? You start going, oh, they're in a diner, and there's a news broadcast, and you're, I think it's, uh, let me go rock and roll, mm-hmm. uh, a rock and roll night rather is playing it playing in the background, mm-hmm. and you hear the car door, and you're like, what, what's going on? It's it's setting this up, and you start realizing, oh, this is the this is the car crash that's going to happen within the song, so. We talked about the demo and all of the lyrics that Paul was trying to cram into this really up-tempoed, fast-paced song where Ezra was like, whoa, whoa, let's pump the brakes. Let's have it breathe for a little bit. Nico, you're famous for saying it, masterclass in mm-hmm. production, all the different sounds and different things that are in this that just make this such an ear candy song and a song that has once it was played, they never looked back. I don't know if there was a show 
where they didn't play Detroit Rock City after 1976. Yeah, I mean, you know, I remember dropping the needle down on this thing. And I had, it was just like one of those transcending like moments where like when I saw them on the midnight special or when I bought a live, because it was like most of their, even though I was a young kid at the time, most of their previous songs were short. They were, for lack of better words, sexually, you know, charged. (laughs) Exactly. Like, and so this song was really cool, Rob, because that whole intro and everything, not only are you listening to it, you're visualizing everything that's going on. Like it's, 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 I've never, I've never heard a song by them where I, I, I could picture the person in the car, in the diner, walking to the car, opening the car door, putting the keys in. And right away, you know, that this is something special and the riff, the solo, it's just, it's one of those moments in time where, I can instantly transport back to my 11 year old self and be like very proud moment. There just a very moment where I've, this is my song and I've had it and I've held onto it now for good Lord. What is it now? 40, 45 years, 46 years going on. It's amazing, dude. And you know, I can't say any more than that. It's just, that's how special the song is to me. And it's one of the great, opening songs of any album I have. And I, and I have a lot of different artists, Led Zeppelin, Van Halen, the Rolling Stones, you name them. This is one of the truly great album openers of all time. Listen, thank the heavens for Bob Ezrin Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. for this song, especially seeing how it went from that demo version of this. But I feel like this is a word that is depending on, you know, what you're talking about or, and, there's no wrong way to use it, but I feel like this word might get overused and might get people might use it more frequently. But for me, if we're going to talk about a masterpiece of a band and we're just going to say, okay, that there can only be one. So when you say the word masterpiece, it means they're one crowning achievement and everything else, you know, is it could be close. It could be great, but it's not a masterpiece. This is their masterpiece. Mm-hmm. Like you said, just from this version with the car crash and all the little revving up of the engines you hear going into the second verse and everything, the lyrical content that you could visualize. Like my dad said, just a very catchy chorus, you know, get up, everybody move their feet, get down, everyone's going to leave their seat. An awesome guitar solo for Ace. And then when the mm. two guitars come in, like mm. this is their crowning achievement as a band. This is probably, I I prefer a live Kiss song over studio one every day of the week, but this is the one studio track that is so picture perfect. Yeah, And it is one of the best opening songs of any rock album of all time. And so this is to reiterate one one more time, in my humble opinion, this is there. If they only get one, this is their masterpiece. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Written by Paul Stanley and Bob Ezrin with Paul Stanley on vocals. So the next track, if you thought the first track was a good one, and I love like, and I kin this to, even though I believe this came first, we've got, you know, we will rock you going into, we are the champions. There are some songs that get played back to back. And these two songs are so note perfect from the car crash and getting right into King of the nighttime world. What a fantastic tune. But just as the song itself, even though this is not a Kiss original song written by Paul Stanley, Kim Flowerly, and 
Mark Anthony and Bob Ezrin, Paul and Bob basically did some of the uh, reconstruction of the song and added a few pieces there. But this is a Kiss song. They took something that was once somebody else's and they crafted another Kiss classic song. This one doesn't get to see the light of day as much. And I think it's kind of criminal that it doesn't get played as much as Detroit. I, understandable with some of the other songs around the sound, but I'm talking a little bit here for King of the Nighttime World. Another fantastic song. Yeah, I mean, again, the transition from Detroit Rock City with that long note, that guitar that goes right into this is just, it, again, it's picture perfect. It's audio perfect. This is probably my favorite song by Kiss, even though they didn't write it. It's another one of those moments in time too where the title we talk about a book the title is like a great title the king of the nighttime who doesn't want to be the king of the nighttime world right yeah and you could you could you could be the the party guy the king of the nighttime world you could be a a vampire and be the king of the nighttime world like there's so many different <laughs> different takes you could you could do on this but rob this song is just pedal to the metal melodic rock anthem and I agree with you, man. I, I wish they would play this at every show. I was lucky on the reunion tour to see it so many times. It was in that second slot. And then when they did Psycho Circus, they still kept it in there. And then they've kind of retired it for a while and brought it back sporadically. This song always kicks ass live. It is a just a feel-good tune. It is It is, to me... I'll say this and I mean it. I mean, I, I would listen to this over rock and roll all night, any, any day oh. of the week, any concert, oh, any time, yes. whenever, you know, I mean, and I know that you can't, it's, it, that might sound sacrilegious to some people, but this one, two punch again is the greatest one, two punch for me, not just of kiss, but arguably of, of there is one that we could talk about at some point of a band, but they're a much different band than Kiss. But this is arguably right up there with any of them. It's a one-two combo. Dude, I mean, this song is legendary, and I'll never forget when they fooled us. They played it on Jimmy Kimmel like a few years ago, right before yeah. they went on the Freedom to Rock tour, and then they didn't play it, but it's okay. No, listen, if Detroit Rock City is the masterpiece, what an, what an appropriate song to follow it. Um, This song is so much fun from the guitar opening to Paul's lyrics to the chorus. This is a song, unfortunately, I've not seen live. Mm. I'm jealous, but mm. man, this is a so fun good. one. This is a staple in my Kiss Top 10. And there's something about, even though it's not in the lyrical content, there's something about the car crash going into the <laughs> first note where you're yeah. like, okay, maybe because maybe because if he quote unquote died, now he's the king of the nighttime. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And cool, yeah. he yeah. rules the party scene as the ghost, right? When you're at a show or when you're at a party, popping bottles, he he uh, he's there. He uh, he's the, what's the word for it. Have he another. like floats in yeah. and he's sliding you some things that are both legal and illegal, <laughs> yeah. and he's fixing the aux cord to play some hardcore rock and roll that's music. Cool. And even though that's not necessarily the lyrics i've always in my mind thought of that and then the one that comes after this also kind of follows this really uh like surreal story that isn't there but if you kind of want it to be there it's really cool mm -hmm. if you have some fun with your own headcanon of what the titles mean yeah 
It's so sad living at home far from the city. I mean, oh man. I love the opening lyrics of the song and I love that it's just Paul singing and Peter playing. No other instruments. It's Mm -hmm. the song just has talk about Ezra and really let uh, these songs have breathe and have life. And you can feel the pulse in every one of these songs. The King of the Nighttime World really exemplifies what Ezra is able to do with these songs. God of Thunder. Going back to a couple previous episodes, hearing the version that Paul wrote and would have loved to have been the fly on the wall for Ezra to hear something and go, that's a really good idea. But Paul, you're not going to sing it. We're going to slow this down. We're going to make it the centerpiece for Gene and talk about, we'll probably do something uh, later on in the podcast about character songs. This is a character song for Gene where Gene would typically do his bloodbath for 100,000 years. When God of Thunder gets introduced, that almost becomes the primary song for many, many years until Unholy would roll around in the remake up era where he would change that and I Love It Loud would slip in. But for a long time, this was associated with God of Thunder. And I think I said way back when, when I was first coming into Kiss, that I thought, oh, Gene wrote this. He had all of this stuff fit in here to realize it's a Paul Stanley written song and only just Paul with uh, Gene singing it. And some of the trippy effects that are in here, the backwards drumming is so cool. And whatever those kids are saying scared the crap out of me. The first time I heard Mm -hmm. it is eerie. I remember having this cranked up in my bedroom. (laughs) My mom walked in like, what are you listening to? And I'm like, Oh, I don't know. So (laughs) Nick, what did you think the first time you heard this song? Again, it follows this theme of the album of their, of the, of the story, the tragic story of Detroit Rock City. Now they're kings of the nighttime world. Now we've got gods, right? We've got mythological oh, gods playing around with hell, with born of the devil. It's, it's scary. And you are 100% correct. It is the classic character Gene live song. I will say that Dr. Love is the classic Gene single. Mm-hmm. That defines who he is. But this is really the song that I think of in my head when he performs live and he's going to spit the blood and do the bass solo. And uh, I, I can't say any more than that. The, the album version is perfect. All the, all the little nuances, all the little different things when you hear it, like the kids in the background, the pace of it is perfect on the album. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I do love the live version, though, and I do love, again, it's one of those songs we make fun of Firehouse. It is another song. Sometimes it's played at different paces a little bit. Yeah. Occasionally, it'll be a little quicker, and times it'll it'll plot along a little bit. But this is pure kiss. This is superhero kiss. This is, this is Destroyer, man. Yeah, it's the definitive song for Gene Simmons. Like my dad said, if Dr. Love is his kind of quote-unquote single fun song, but this is the song that's pure, mm. unapologetic Gene Simmons. I'm with you, Rob. I would have loved to be a fly on the wall when that conversation came where Noah's got to be Gene. Man, mm. um, once again, thank you to Bob Ezrin for this one because he made this one. It's so effective, like you said, those kids in the background, those extra songs, <laughs> the way the song starts. It, Ready? 
Okay. And, right. It's so creepy. And yeah. then the song's epic, though. But then the song's <laughs> epic. And um, <laughs> I'm glad this was a song my first few Kiss shows I didn't get to see. But now, since End of the Road, they really brought mm. it back. I've been able yeah. to see a lot. It's a fun one. This is another rare one for me where the studio version also holds up very well. And once again, the production in, in this one, we, we see how important Ezrin was to this album and how much his mm. footprint is all over it. Because with Detroit Rock City, with the opening of King of the Nighttime World and then all God of Thunder, they're just three like theatrical songs. And I know it's audio, but you could literally envision it and play it in your head. Like my dad said, you got the crazy tragic car crash into Trirac city then where Kings in the nighttime world and now here comes the demon he runs yeah. into in his hellish uh rock and roll world who tells him the history of being on mount olympus and i'm yeah, just yeah. envisioning <laughs> gene simmons with zeus sticking out his tongue as a lightning bolt's coming at him it's uh yeah. man it's cool it, can, it's just cool can you imagine if this album came out a little later when mtv was big the oh, video man. the videos oh. that they would have oh, the done videos they could have done the concept videos that oh, they could have did yeah. for like these first few songs would have been unreal you know yeah so bob uh, give that man more coke man yeah dude, that's how <laughs> he did it he was in his room going wait a minute yeah. there's gonna be these kids and they're like these little soul demons <laughs> they're soul demons and then gene's gonna come in going you got oh and then he was on olympus paul i could see it zeus yeah, Aphrodite, Gene Simmons. <laughs> like, <laughs> there'll be for an album review later on, but in Childhood's End song, Gene harkens back to God of Thunder by slipping the line, You've got something about in yep. yeah. Ch- so cool that he's able to slip that back in, you know, a few decades later. But I think our expectations are a little bit great here. Great expectations. Writing credit goes to Gene Simmons and Bob Ezrin. So the story that we were telling, as we had said it earlier in a couple episodes ago, that this is the one song we're like, all right, we got Detroit Rock City. We got King of the Nighttime World. We got God of Thunder. You've got (laughs) what? Yeah, this is where this is where the coke (laughs) give us. Way and the, the coke take it away. There's a song, right? The streets give it, and the streets take it, take it away. So the coke is, you know, this is where it's so funny because the album is is absolutely perfect. But then we get to this roadblock here of them trying to get. I don't even want to say pretentious. It's not so much that. It just. I think he was trying to do something really crazy and different mm-hmm. for Gene. And this thing never, it's never worked for me. As an 11 year old, I, I didn't get it done. I don't get it now. It, it quickly gets skipped. It got skipped then because I, I didn't really, you know, that's what you did in those days. You had to pick up the needle and, and move it on down. And when I had the cassette tape version of it too, you just, I would fast forward. It was, it was annoying because fast and flip it's yeah. It just was like, you're having a, you're having a multi-course meal. And then you finally get that one thing and you're like, yeah, this, this really doesn't taste that good. I'm let's bring on the next one. Listen, I'll be honest with you guys. I have done things for every podcast I'm on, but primarily this one, I've committed to things I haven't done before, but I want to admit to you guys, even doing this album review and knowing we're going to do this, 
I have never finished this song. <laughs> About the one minute mark, I stop and I'm like, I know what it is. And what's funny is because I want to give people some content right now, because I feel bad that I can't formulate any other thoughts is for some reason, as my dad was talking, for some reason, I started thinking about Phantom in the Park and how Paul keeps fighting with his arms up that stance. And I just started laughing. So there's my content. No, I have not been able to finish it. It's because it's so, this is an all-time album. It is because the highlights are so high, but this is such a weird stall coming after those first three songs. And this is where Ezrin, like my dad said, it's almost like you need the producer, like you alluded to on, I think last episode, Rob, yeah. like, is the band too close to a song. You need a producer with some of their creativity, their input, their knowledge of the industry and what's hot. And at the same time, you also need the band to go, okay, but like, you can't make a song that literally isn't us. And right. the expectation mostly feels like it's it's not kiss. So, you need that give and take. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And that is totally not felt here. It's like the Ezrin show again. It doesn't bring the album down, but it just shows you there are very few albums in history where every single mm-hmm. song is good. Yeah. And there's one for me that I'll bring up one day, but not on this show. Hmm. I think this is where he's coming into his producer and like, this is what I did with Alice Cooper. This is what I did with the pink Floyd trying to, they say steer into the skid, you know, when you're spinning and there's a lot of snow around, I think steering into a skid that you didn't, you didn't need, you didn't need to rev the engine here to cause you to have to go into the slide. (laughs) That's a great point. (laughs) So let's, Oh, Let's you meant actual snow. I thought he meant yeah. the other snow. <laughs> no, 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 no I'm man. serious. I'm serious. He said it with works. all the snow around. I'm like, yeah, it does work both ways. I'm it like, wor- it works oh, both man, ways. Oh, man, Rob was funny with that joke. And I'm like, yeah. oh, wait, he means he's actually, it's actually a really great analogy that I could use in my life. Thank hey, you, sir. Uh, tip your waitress. I'll be here all night. <laughs> yeah, let's, right. let's flip this over and let's get into a little flaming youth. Flaming Youth writing credits. The first credit goes to Ace Freely, yep. Paul Stanley, Gene Simmons, who had the Mad Dog. He gets third billing and Bob Ezrin. Nick, take us on this one. I know this wow, is a top tier tune the for you. I heard the song, the opening guitar riff, the melody. It just hooked me instantly. My parents think I'm crazy. I mean, just as an 11-year-old kid, they did think I was crazy for listening to this band, man. My aunt thought I was crazy. I mean, I, I fought with kids at school. Right. So I just like, I kind of took this song on as like my own anthem. It was like me and kiss against the world mm-hmm. more so than rock and roll all night, even more so than the song that comes later in this album, this song, I felt like it was, I was Paul. Like I was singing the song, like it was about me, man. Flaming youth, man, catch the world on fire. I'm a kiss fan. This song kicks ass and nobody could take it from me. And you guys don't understand. And, it really was my Kiss Rebellion song of really being behind them. And I just love the melody of the song. It's just cool with the organ. The vocals are different. I love the chorus. I love the 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 middle part of it, the higher and higher and higher. I mean, I thought that was so cool. And once again, I I never heard anything like this on the previous albums, right? Right. Like everything that we've like. Like at that time I had a live and I, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I didn't have the first three albums, but I had a live, but like 
this just felt like the band like completely evolved, right? Like they're just like, they just blossomed, you know, they just, whatever they won the fight. They won, they went to 12 rounds. They're heavyweight champions and they're defending their crown and they're bigger and better than ever. So flaming youth. I love, man. I love it all. Here's the thing about flaming youth. I agree. This song is really dope. This is a good one, man. When my dad finally showed it to me, because when I was getting in the kiss, he would tell me about it. And I was so into everything else that I was listening to and watching mm-hmm. that he had to like kind of choose a spot to show me the song. This is a song I'll go back to. Once again, I'm going back to the studio version because we don't have a good live version of it. No, we don't. We thought we did, but if you listen to the last show, Mm. psych, I am convinced. And I know there were probably people and probably at the time statistics to prove otherwise, which is why they stopped playing it. But for some reason, I feel like sometimes those things are just wrong. Mm -hmm. I think if they kept playing this song, this would still be a staple for them today. I I think so. I, I, I truly do. Do you think the arrangement though from the studio to the to the live show is what prohibits them from doing it cuz you really you really can't capture completely No, I th- but I think they could have found a way to okay. play it. Like I mean even like on the Paris, like the way they play it's cool. Yeah. They just don't know what they're doing at the end like I'm pretty sure they would have perfected it. This is one of those songs like you like you know what it reminds me of? It's like it's like the Goo Dolls with All Eyes on Me. Mm-hmm. Like a song that wasn't big, but they they always play it and people love it. I feel like if they kept playing this song, it would be a staple today still. I don't know why Early I'm saying in the that. Set list too. I think it could yeah. be like a third track. Like, like it was. I yeah. don't know why I'm yeah. saying that, but it mm. just feels there's something when you're listening to it and why they didn't pull it out when they weren't in the makeup and everything. Mm. I feel like, I don't know, just that, now here's where I give them credit for, for the lyrics again, which we don't always do because a lot of the songs are about, you know, until this album is the big outlier. There's something so relatable about like the finding yourself and kind of everyone thinks you're something, but like mm-hmm. there's so much power in youth. And like when you have a fire at any point in your life, but primarily the world's always saying, Oh, it's the next generation who's going to change the world. Or it's the young mm-hmm. people who are going to change this for us. Like, this song can apply to any generation it's playing to because it's either reflective or it's progressive. Like Mm -hmm. it's the thing that's going to motivate you. And I just, for how much they're so primarily Paul with how he's always hyper aware of what's going on in the world. I'm surprised he over the years hasn't used this to be like you young people make your voices heard flaming youth. That's a great point. So mad. It's weird. It's weird. And it's kind of a shame that, when we saw it on freedom to rock, it was so cool, but it felt like, you know, this was such an obscure one. They pointed out and half the crowd's excited and half the crowd like doesn't even doesn't know, know what show that. they're Absolutely. at. Anyway. Yeah. So that, it's a shame yeah. that a song this cool and every band has one where yeah. you're like, wow, why isn't this song why big? Like, this why song didn't more? they right. yeah. you know right. um, ultraviolet when I go to U2, I go to Hey God for Bon Jovi. I go mm-hmm. to all eyes on me is mostly played by the Google dolls. They stopped recently, but it's just, every band has mm-hmm. those couple. Yeah. And it's an also very introspective when you get later on in life, you hear a song like this and you're, you're remembering mm-hmm. your youth and you're able to go back. Oh, I remember when we did this and it's, it could be a good rallying 
cry at the same time. And you're talking about song three, how on the end of the road, we're like, why is shouted out loud? Like third, this would be mm-hmm. a great third open third, yeah. fourth, fourth song and kick shouted out loud towards the end of the set where I think it really needs to be. Not, not so early, not song two or three. The perfect scenario for me is you kick, say, yeah, you put this in. Shout out loud to the end, and you got maybe like I I mean, and what's cool too, and just to talk about this one more time, and then we can move on. It's like you know, Paul always talks about too in the audience. You see kids and everything. Like I'm just thinking for the show, it could be so cute too. Like we got Kiss fans who are five years old still, and they're going to carry us. You know what? This one's for them. All the kids stand up, flaming. You're like, it could be cool. Like I don't, yeah, I, I. Paul, man, I don't know, man. I don't know. But He's making a pizza right now. Making a pizza. Look at this pizza. It looks like I burn it. <laughs> he did just tweet that. <laughs> he did, he did. And then another one. Track six, Sweet Pain, written by Gene Simmons. Now, I always kind of gave great, expe- great Expectations a little bit of a pass. I don't know. One of the first times we made it through the track, my best friend was like, did he just say clutching her breast? And then we were like... <laughs> you know because we were (laughs) teenagers i could get the grandiose thing of trying to give gene this song where he can sing and emote for great expectations i never latched on to sweet pain so i would do the reverse i would make it through great expectations and i would get to sweet pain and i i want to get to the back half of the album so this was usually my Mm -hmm. skipper in the album so you can school me on why I should like this, but I, I just never, I can never grab a hold of something. Sweet pain is for black word gave me pain because I, I could never get through it either. And it's amazing because what we get coming is like legendary, right? Mm-hmm. What's to come. And the song flaming youth was my favorite. It's just those two out of three songs there. The album just kind of hits a little weird thing. It gets great again. And then it hits a little weird thing. And then it's great. I don't know either. This, this is a song too, that doesn't particularly feel like it fits on the album for me either. I don't know. You know, we listen to those gene demos. I, I don't know. I I'm not sure that gene, I mean, Paul wrote God of thunder. This is not particularly a strong gene album. We talked Let's before be with each other. We've talked before about yeah. it. I mean, when you look at it, Paul's songs are like really the iconic ones on this album, mm-hmm. including God of Thunder that he right. wrote. And the two Gene tracks are, are, are pretty weak, in my opinion. It's so weird. You know, I would, you sit down, you talk to him, you say, Gene, arguably, this is the greatest Kiss album of all time. And, and you're, she didn't and deliver. Your two tracks are, are pretty bad, you know, and, and you wrote a lot of crap that will show up on Rock and Roll Over later on, but I can't make an argument for you with Sweet Pain. It, it's it's not a song that, again, I've listened to it a few times this week, but I, I don't. It doesn't stay with me. The chorus, the verse, the melody. There's nothing particularly in this song. Rob, I got to be honest with you. Great expectations. I actually can find myself humming it a little bit and be like, "You've got," you know, yeah. and even the beginning, you know. This to me is worse than great expectations. If we were ranking all these songs, this would be last on the list. Me too. 
Yeah, this one's worse than Sweet Pain because I've also never finished the song. You mean Great um, Expectations? Uh, sorry, sweet. Yeah. same yeah. thing. I mean, they're, they're yeah. pretty snobs. Uh, something about it, I just, like you guys said, and um, sorry, I couldn't get through these two songs, but it's just because, like, I knew what I was going to say. I put them and they don't feel like this album. But I will say this. I thought about some as you guys were talking. It's very interesting. We talk about how big in the set list now. I mean, there's five of these nine songs mm-hmm. in the set list. At one point in time, go back to the reunion. There were six. You throw in King of Nighttime World, mm-hmm. right? And then you go back to, you know, on the Freedom of the Rock, they did pull out Flaming Youth. So seven of these nine songs have been played. You know what's funny about Gene, if you really think about it? Most of the songs he plays live. And correct me if I'm wrong right now, right now. Besides I Love It Loud, almost everything he plays is even before Destroyer. Mm-hmm. Isn't that yeah. interesting? It's from the first three albums. Yeah. And yeah. I Love It Loud. Now I know he's done. I mean, of course, you could say on other tours, but I mean, right now. Right now. There's yep. the end of the road. And even going back to like Alive 35 and on. Mm-hmm. The last 12 years there, besides I Love It Loud, there ain't. The and last I don't count that he also sings God gave rock and roll, like the, no. sure, whatever. But like for his own songs, his own song, like, 2004 Rock the Nation, Unholy was his last modern day song yeah. post 1982. See, that's that's mind blowing. It's mind blowing, man. And Paul still pulls a few off from now, yep. but even nothing off Psycho Circus, nothing off Sonic Boom. Like those are the Paul poles. Mm-hmm. Love yeah. one is still just a Paul pole. You, you know, it's it's super. It's really mm-hmm. interesting. So why don't we just shout it out loud? Written by Paul Stanley, Gene Simmons, Bob Ezrin. We're going to sound like a broken record on some of these songs. I don't know what else you could say about the song. Yeah, we kind of dog on it now. Like, oh, why are we right here and shout it out loud? I mean, what a great thing to be complaining about a song that is so good that we're complaining about having to hear it, that the band has just continually played the song. This is a song that would kind of slip in and out of some tours. They didn't play it every single tour, but these last probably 10 to 20 years, it has been mm. a, a reaffirmed staple into the show. This is a song that never really found its spot in the show. Sometimes it was the bottom half, sometimes the top of the half, it's in the middle, but it's generally been there since, like I said, since 76 for the most part again i know it some tours it wasn't played at all but uh definitely the last 20 years and another one of those battle cry anthem songs you've got flaming youth on this one and you got shout out loud i think paul was looking at it going hey we need to try and come up with another rock and roll night so the three of them really crafted a a classic kiss song and like catching lightning in the bottle is amazing to do it once and i think they get really close with shout it out loud as far as some of the party anthem songs and that's something i want to do later in the show is pick our favorite and you know mm-hmm. rank them but uh we're, how do you guys feel about shout yeah out dude loud? it's it's it is the the little brother to rock and roll all night it, maybe that's not even justifying how good this song is and and you're right rob you nobody could say it better than you just did for them to capture lightning in a bottle twice because this song is the epitome of kiss it is again it's another rally cry this time it's about everybody man it's about it's us against them stick it to the man you know play Mm -hmm. it loud play it proud and later later in the years when everybody kind of had a little 
piece of it, including Ace. But sticking with this album, when I when I heard this song, it was like to me, it was a number one hit. Obviously, yeah. it wasn't. But in my mind, in my eleven year old mind, I was like, Kiss has got another great song in the vein of rock and roll all night. Even though I love just about everything on the album, I knew this was special. I have the hottest take about Shout It Out Loud. Or maybe it's not a hot take. This might not be a hot take. You guys tell me what you think after I say it. You just said it's the little brother to rock and roll all night, and I agree. Only it's the little brother that ends up far surpassing everything that the older brother is. And let me tell you why. Rock and roll night is one of the ultimate anthems, but it's mainly, and I'm not downplaying rock and roll night. Cause mm. even though we say we rarely will listen yeah. to it when you're there. And when you think about the chorus and people for like the general audience, they love that chorus. So iconic it is. It's mainly just the chorus though. Yeah. Nothing else about rock and roll night. Do I particularly care about? What's funny is even though we do dog on shout it out loud and I go, well, I have 90 versions and I've heard it 19 <laughs> times. I never turn it off because the guitar is sick. Yeah. It's so cool. The chorus is iconic. And actually I think more fun for me than rock and roll night. And the verses are fun. Cause it goes from Paul to Gene to Paul, to Gene, mm-hmm. and then in rock and roll night, it's like, you're waiting for the chorus. And shout it out loud! I'm I'm like getting really giddy with the with the verses. Well, there's more to it, you too. know. Yeah, yeah. It, it's no, telling more of a thematic story. Right. Rock and Roll a Night was two different songs that were sandwiched together. Mm-hmm. This was written as an entirety to give a one thought out piece. Right, and when they keep switching off in the verse, it's fun. You know, it goes. Yeah, it doesn't matter what you do. It's so. There's something about this song that I have a blast for. And I'm glad we're going to do, we're going to rank the party anthems eventually. Because spoiler alert, this is going to be very high for me. And it's almost funny. I envision a world where like if rock and roll all night didn't exist, this could be an ultimate closing song for them. You know, we had yeah. a good time and I, we love you. And then let the confetti fall and shout I mean, it. And people are jumping up and down with their arms doing their best John Bon Jovi impersonation. You guys can't see me on the audio, but I'm throwing up my hands as if I'm circa you know, 90s John Bon. I could yeah. never understand how this song didn't get radio play. I, I just, I, it did. That, I mean, that I, also baffles I, me. I, it that just baffled me. You know, I, as a kid, I'd always be listening to WLS, WMET, and I'm like, they have all these new albums out and all they play are rock and roll all night calling Dr. Love. Mm-hmm. Those were the only two songs, which is bizarre. for seven years of their, of their high point that were played with any regularity here on the Chicago stations. That's it, Rob rock and roll all night and calling Dr. Love. And that wow. no Detroit rock city, nothing. And Beth, I'm sorry. And Beth. Beth. Yeah, that was it. You had those three and and actually, you really didn't hear Beth on the hard rock on the on the rock stations. Be easy you listening, it, probably. You heard it more on WLS on the top forty. Let's talk about Peter Chris, Dan Pendridge, and Bob Ezrin. Beth, I hear you calling. Yeah, this works in the way that I think they were hoping Great Expectations was, and this is the classic story where they put this on the B side of Detroit Rock City. The radio stations flip it over and start playing Beth. 
And this is where Rob's going to put the sound clip in. Beth was interesting um, because Destroyer really broadened the parameters or the boundaries of what we would do. Um, Bob Ezrin co-wrote that with Peter and a friend of Peter's. Um, Peter and this guy Stan came in with a song called Beck. Beck, I hear you calling. And I remember telling him in the car, gee, that's an interesting idea. What, what's that about, Jeff Beck? And he's going, no, man, it's about Becky. I go, well, you should change that and make it Beth so that people know what it is. Otherwise, they're going to think you're pitching for the other team. It wound up being the B-side of the single. The single was Detroit Rock City. Radio stations turned the record over and started playing Beth. The reason we put Beth on the B-side was because we figured it was a throwaway. We wound up with an enormous hit from a song that we didn't think stood a chance. And yet somehow, from the violin strains of Beth to the crunch of uh, God of Thunder, it all seemed to make a statement. Sung by the drummer. And this, any time that a drummer would sing a song in any band, be it, you know, Don Henley or, you know, you got Sister Christian from Night Ranger. And mm-hmm. this kind of goes back to Peter Chris getting a chance to not behind the kit, coming down center stage on a stool, piano playing in the background, has the Paul Lind Halloween special behind him that a lot of people got to see this song for the first time done in air quotes live because that's what they were doing back in tv stations it's just it's beautifully written and i know that sometimes kiss will say well he really didn't write it there's like four writers on the song yeah yeah, still this song is latched and tethered to peter chris in a way like and and i understand where kiss fans like oh eric and tommy shouldn't be singing ace and peter's song but you get to this point it would almost be blasphemy for the song to not be played if this is in fact the end that this this is a great song and kiss did come down to say this is a huge hit for us we need to be playing it but going back to 1976 what a powerful song and this song is what propels this album to the heights that it's going to get as much as we love detroit rock city king of the nighttime world and shout it out loud it's beth that keeps this album in the charts and brings a whole legion of kiss fans guys beth listen man i remember watching the people's choice awards in early 1977 when they won the award for best group the gallup poll and it was because of this song well you've never seen a kiss like this one kiss is the name of a group Four unbelievable young musical performers whose albums and concert appearances have really been creating a musical revolution. They're playing in Chicago tonight, unfortunately, but they did want you to see them in action. So they filmed the concert performance of the song you young people out there chose as the top song of 1976. So here they are singing their hit song, Beth, the incredible kiss.
present the award for the young people's favorite new song. Well, how does one describe a pixie, a an elf, a comic sprite, a kind of a melodious, mellifluous marvel of mirth, a miracle of magical merriment? Well, only one way. Just speak her name, ladies and gentlemen, Goldie Hawn. It's a reflection of the times we live in. Today's music is frenetic and dissonant and uh, cacophonious, bonus, cacophonous, <laughs> which sums it up for me perfectly. I don't know what those words mean, and I don't know what's going on in the world either. <laughs> but um, uh, I do know that I can... <laughs> songs we heard here tonight. <clears throat> Muskrats and ducks are my favorite animals. And I once knew a girl named Beth at camp. <laughs> the songs you, 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 young people. Oh, is this for the young people? <laughs> Chose as your favorites are Disco Duck, Muskrat Love, and Beth. And the winner is... Oh, boy, it's a tie. I have to read the first one first. favorite song, not only because it's how Peter feels about me, but how every man feels when he's away from the woman he loves. Kiss is performing tonight, and they just want me to thank everyone for this great honor, and I want to personally thank Kiss. I love you. I should just mention that accepting for Beth was the Beth for whom the song was written, the wife of the drummer, Mrs. Peter Chris. This song, for someone at my age at the time, it was another one of those defining moments where, and it, to me, it's the first power ballad, the first true <laughs> power ballad to ever come out. And so for me, it was like one of those things where like now, like you had like your mother and your grandmother and. You know, you had you had people of, of different of, of different generations being like, who is that? That's Kiss. What? Oh, yeah. It's yeah. A good song, man. And you had that raspy kind of Rod Stewart type vocal from Peter that everyone kind of latched on to. And, and it's a beautiful song. It's a, it fits the album now because it's another character song. It's about a guy that his wife is lonely. She wants him to come home, but he can't. He's playing with the band. They're trying to get the sound right. He can't. He's at the studio. He's doing some blow. No, I'm just kidding. With the blow. <laughs> but Rob, it's a it's a it's a love story. Yeah. On this on this album, it's a beautiful love song. It's just a very pleasant song to listen to. There are times in my life where I I don't listen to it. I can't listen to it. There are the concert moments when we see Eric do it, which I appreciate, but I'm. I'm not really like into it that much, but I have 
grown fond of this song again because of this 45th mm-hmm. edition. Yeah. And I know it's ingratiating to Paul and, and Gene. You know it is. We know it is. It's killing them because, you know, they have all these great songs on this on this album and they're iconic songs that they make up the album. But without Beth, I'm not sure this album ever gets talked about in, the, in that vein. And yeah. it's a shame because it's not like Beth is the best song. I'm not saying that. No. But you needed that commercial success. Yeah. Coming this off is, of a live. Yeah. Yep. And this is the thing you're right. It, it gave the album a second life. Yeah. Because the album was go- going nowhere doing 95. <laughs> right. Into a brick wall. That's right. Beth is the prettiest of songs. And I, and I use that word in the best way possible. Mm-hmm. You know, some hard rockers mm-hmm. be like, no, no, I use that word the best way possible. It is one of the prettiest of songs. The reason why this album is so good is is not only because it's a great love song and Peter's voice is awesome on it and the lyrical content is eerily relatable at times when when you're trying to work on something mm-hmm. and you really think you have something there and there's people in your life calling on you, but you really need to finish this. It's a sense of desire. It's a sense of self-worth. When you really just start to unpeel what, you know, mm. we can't find the sound means that you could uh, try to apply it to a million different things. That's why I love this song so damn much. And unlike you both who have seen Peter play it, I've, I've only seen Eric play it. And I love when Eric plays it. Sure. Yeah. I think the piano on stage is a little much on the end of the road tour. <laughs> you can just sit there. Um, yeah. I actually liked when they were playing it acoustically. Acoustically, yeah, I did too. too. I that was cool. Was that was different. But here's the other thing too for me. That this is why the album's so great. And not only do great albums have that special ballad on it, this is such an all-time love song. And why it makes the album so cool is it's a different guy. It's Peter now with this song. It's not. It's, not, it's, it's so, very easily could have right? been a Paul Ballad type it thing. It could have easily been a Paul Ballad. So you have, you know, the massive character song for Gene. You have the two staple songs for Paul. And then you get, who was a fan favorite. I mean, I just have to imagine the raspy Peter Chris singing this literally gorgeous ballad on this album and it works it works yeah. and, and it worked for everybody and honestly, it worked for everybody from from right. ages of 10 to 72 and, you know i mean my grandmother was like this is a pretty song and let yeah. me get overly poetic here a a cat is a very uh soft it's fierce when it needs me but it's very yeah. soft gentle loving creature it's, it's as is best it's conniving though so conniving, well yeah. you know <laughs> it plans to kill but, you but you know that the cat's planning if to kill you. If you want to really get overly analytical, if I was a panther, maybe, you'd be dead. Maybe him and the boys are doing something bad, and he's lying to her. Like, yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Who knows? Of Beth course, yeah. has many, many, many interpretations. Hey, I choose the former, the yeah. good ones. And the ending is great because he basically tells her, he ain't "I'm home. sorry, I come home. We're gonna be playing it's all the night, best man. Indie yeah, movie. Yeah. Don't it's wait the, up for me, honey. It's the I'm, best. I'm not coming home. It's, it's, the, sad, it's a sad ending when you think about it. Dude, I movie. told her we're working on the sound, man. It's the <laughs> it's the oh, best shit. indie movie ending of all it time. The where it's ambiguous and yeah. it's sad. It's yeah. sad. You're like, what happened to them? That's it. You're like, are they going to stay together, Nick? It's like, man, it's, I don't know what to tell yeah. Beth, man. Yo, dude, just. Yeah. Um, uh, um, uh, tell her that dude, we're that we just can't find the sound. Yeah. Oh, dude, that's good because she won't know what that yeah. means. Yeah, bro, just 
Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, just tell her. Um, Leave me alone. Just, ju- just tell her the boys are. Uh, just um, all night. I just I, tell d- her the boys we'll all, night, all night, bro. Bro, Look, just tell her, dude. Listen, lady. <laughs> I know you're looking for your boyfriend. He's in the park. He's with the band. They're trying. They they can't find that sound. Where's Sam? Sam? Oh God! The best though Sam. is oh my God! The that. best is the alternate version that doesn't exist, where someone else calls her and he's like, "Listen, no, he's hey, listen, no, Beth, he's 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 fine. Don't worry, he's fine. Yeah, he's, he's uh, it's just you know, he told you that the sound and you know we're not <laughs> finding it, but trust me, no, he's everything. Stop, fine. guy, stop, guy, stop, guy, stop. Okay, no, dude, she's fine. She's, she's um, fine. Er, he's fine. He's no, fine. you're she. <laughs> okay, Beth, bye. <laughs> that might be the preview clip you're just that might happen, <laughs> might happen. <laughs> he's just trying to ask a question do you like <laughs> the way the wheels roll this is a song i i feel like we say it now like oh we're hearing do you love me again but i gotta tell you when the reunion tour started right before the reunion tour we get mtv unplugged of all of the songs i thought kiss was going to pull on you they were doing it during the convention there would have been no way i would have said they're going to play do you love me on mtv unplugged i know we're not talking about mtv unplugged but hearing that unplugged just kind of opened up the door of like what a great song this is it made me really appreciate the studio album version more. I mean, I did like it. It was a cool song. It never really made, you know, a live two. And this is another tour de force song that I never really gave enough credit to until years later. This song is great because as an 11 year old kid, I was able to decipher the true meaning of the song. And that is that he is a rock God. They are rock gods and everybody loves them. But do they really love them for who they are or what they are, you know? And I swear to God, I picked up on that as a young kid. And I even remember my mother going, this is like a cute song. And I go, what do you mean? She's like, well, you know, you listen to the words and he's talking about his girlfriend and it's like movie stars, you know, does anybody really, does their partner really love them or they just partner just hanging around for the money, the fame and all that and the opening beat, which is Peter on the drum and Paul, and then the wow, wow. And it's just really, and then when he kicks into the, you know, you like the credit card and it's just, it is another really great song. And Rob, you are right. We're so spoiled because like on MTV unplugged, it was so refreshing and such a treat to hear the song. And then for them to carry it on the reunion tour where it was a staple. Yeah. It was great. And then now, yeah, we're a little bit like, uh, do you love me again? Do you? Lo-? I think we talked about this on a previous show. I think it's more the placement of where the song is now. Yeah, yeah. I don't mind anything. in anywhere. I think else. the song was earlier. Switch, do you love me and shout it? Yeah. Switch I the think two. If the song was earlier. Hundred percent. You know, and then the other thing about the song, and I'll, and I'll let you talk, Nick, too, is like, even if you take out the true meaning of the song, it's just a great thing because it, it's the guy asking, "Do you love me?" Right. Right. It's just Paul. He wants the adulation from the crowd in a live setting. And it's just for those that aren't really picking up lyrically on maybe what it really means. It's like, it's a love anthem. It's cool. And I mean, it's, it just rounds this thing out and my God, 
Yeah. You know, here's the thing too. What all you guys said is fantastic. It's going to be hard to follow, but for me too, it almost asks a question at the end of the album. I'm thinking about Bob Ezra in here, right? And mm-hmm. he did a lot of creative things. And I do think there's special Steve, meaning yeah. with this going last is they finally hit their newfound fame with Alive, right? And a lot of times the bands, there are so many bands in this world who make it for that couple years and then they mm-hmm. really fall off, right? Or they have the one hit wonders, right? I love at the end of the song, it's almost like Paul asking the audience, like, do you really love us? Mm-hmm. You like how we look, you like the flashiness, you like the money we got now. Like, does anyone actually really like us or are you riding us? Cause alive was big. Yeah. You know, which that's, is, that's, which is that's a, a fun good thought, question dude. for yeah. me. Here's yeah. another hot take. I have, I prefer the studio mm. and mm. the unplugged version because he says all the lyrics, the call and answer is very underwhelming. If the crowd is not loud, which some live versions are lackluster in that. And on this end of the road tour, I didn't bring this up. That being the second to last song, the last time we saw them a couple months ago, the call and answer is very quiet. It's awkward. It's awkward. Yeah. And that's almost like a, a thing a he just does yeah. to where now on the end of the road, I would rather just hear all the lyrics, you know, because on that unplugged one with his voice too, it's funny, you know, you really like my limousine. Like he could go low with it. He could do a lot of things. That's my hot take with some live version is on some live versions, you cannot hear the crowd. And it is, it's like sloppy, Rob. It's like, you say it's dead right. air. It's, you really it's dead like, air. you like the way you like, and I'm like, wow, I can't hear the crowd. And right. I, I almost think that's something he just got used to it. Like, and, and like, he's cocky, like, okay, it's the call and release song. And I'm like, Yeah. Even on this last tour, I'm like, hey, I every Kiss show is an A plus to me because it's larger than life. It's a, it's a, it's a different world. But these last couple of times I've seen them, the call and answer is not. Yeah, strong. I would agree with you. Man. Yeah. It's like Pops and I are screaming, yeah. and everyone's like, mm-hmm. "Why are you guys yelling?" I'm like, "Cause no one else is." <laughs> yeah, I, I got to do heavy me, lifting. Man. Yeah. A if lot of heavy lifting. Anything, is... No one knows the words if we don't say anything. No one knows the answers to his. To his lyrics if no one says anything mm. what do we really like it's his limousine everyone <laughs> yeah. what's yeah, two man. plus two brown four. <laughs> yeah brown. no it's four <laughs> all right so the final track is a hidden track says rock and roll party appears as a hiddle track in the original vinyl pressing it appears a few seconds after do you love me and this it says instrumental it says Simmons, Stanley, and Ezra. I think this is more of the idea. This is augmented crowd noise from the Alive album, kind of played backwards a little bit. You kind of hear that's mm-hmm. it's just the crowd noise at the very end. So, a couple of things here, really quick before we move on. The singles from this album, Shout Out Loud, was released March 1st, 1976. God of Thunder, March 15th. Flaming Youth, April 30th. Detroit Rock City. July 28th, and then Beth was released on August 28th. So it was in August. The DJs were like, hey, let's flip this Detroit Rock City over and go. So in lieu, we talked about the the number of songs that are on here of 
those songs that I just rattled off of Shout It Out Loud, God of Thunder, Flaming Youth, Detroit, Rock City, and Beth, what else would you have released from De- or excuse me, Detroit, say from Destroyer other than those? Nick? Uh, for me, it's real easy. There's two things that I think they could have released that they could have had maybe a hit with, and it was King of the Nighttime World or the song we just talked about, Do You Love Me? Yeah. I think both those are short catchy melodic songs that resonate with people and i think going back in time if if either one of those was released i think even and even though i like flaming youth better i think i think god of thunder was a poor single i don't think god of thunder is a song that i look at as a single no so you know shout it out loud again i don't know why it it didn't get any play flaming youth i don't know why either detroit rock city is brilliant but do you love me or, or King of the Nighttime World should have been in there for me? It's funny how we're on the same page and don't even know it. Like father, yeah, we didn't. Yeah, we. Didn't I was gonna either. say my one, literally would have been Do You Love Me, because I think people would have had a ball with that me song. Too, yeah, yeah. Dudes would have jokingly used it with their significant others. Yeah. And when you're in the car, you, you choose to be the call and answer, even though you didn't know the call and answer was a thing, the way the lyrics are, it could have just happened. You, you, you know, you really like what my limousine, but you know what, what too? you like the way, and it's a fun right. sounding song, but tongue in cheek too. It would have been funny too. Like kiss sucks. You suck. We don't really love you. We only yeah, love you for your limousine. It could have been, it could have been a hit for that reason too. Like the fans would have been like, Oh, now these guys are, they're kind of like, a, you know, talking Posers. about themselves. But yeah. yeah. So for that reason, too, plus it's got a good groove. I just think it's one of those sing-along songs. But again, I'm not sure anything the they could have. Interesting. I don't know if there's anything they could have released, Rob, that was going to get radio play except for Beck. Beck, yeah. I'm sorry. Beck. Not, Beck. I'm just kidding. Beck. Beck. Yeah. There you go. I think you're playing for the wrong team. Gene <laughs> 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 would say. Ditto. Do you love me? Would have been choice one, king, choice two. We move on to album covers. Where would you rank the album covers? Previously, we have Rock and Roll Over and Hot in the Shade. Where does Destroyer fit in the ranking that that you have so far, Nick? Uno. Number Number one. one. No doubt about it. It is. It's the classic image of Kiss. There's plenty with what comes, but none of them can knock off this destroyer because destroyer is on the t-shirts. It's images you see everywhere. When I think of kiss, this is my perfect visualization of this group is that pose, that painting, that coloring destroyer. Nico. What's funny is he said that nothing can knock it off, but rock and roll over literally does. Cool. So it works hard. But it's worth the deuce. It's number two for me. Uh, it's number two. It's more like a one A or one B. Yeah. She said she told me it was one, and I said, yeah. "Hey, get get yeah. out of here." Um, it's number two here. for me with Hot and Shade being three. Ben, of course, Raro, my favorite. Raro, yeah. number one. It's not bad if you put it first. I'm just yeah. messing with yeah. you. But he just said that nothing knocks it off. And well, I mean, that's not 100 percent objectively sure. <sighs> just saying. And I got to go. I got to echo Nico. It's going rock and rock and roll over. So huge. Destroyer hot in the shade. All right. For overall album, 
previously, Nick, you have rock and roll over then hot in the shade. Matter of fact, everyone does. I did say I made a change previously. I have flipped my order to hot in the shade. Then rock and roll over due to just it being my first kiss album. If I'm gravitating towards one, what am I pulling more? I'm pulling hot in the shade. I'm probably going to get booed, but I decided I must stay true to myself and I'm sticking to my guns. Nick, where are you ranking the album overall? You know, this is really, really crazy. This is crazy because I arguably like two of my favorite kiss songs of all time are on that man. I I just still like rock and roll over. I still give it a slight edge, a slight edge over this album. It's weird. I'm thinking about it because, you know, because rock and roll over to me, we talked about this before. Like, I think the Gene songs are pretty strong on that album. And I know I've thrown some crap at ladies room and stuff like that, but ladies room is still like a complete masterpiece compared to sweet pain and great expectations. It's not even close, dude. You could, you could lock me in the car and just put that at ladies room on repeat and stuff. If I never have to hear great expectations and sweet pain again. So, I mean, sometimes the greatness of a couple songs could catapult it, but I got to be honest with you. I don't skip anything on rock and roll over. I let Mm -hmm. that thing play clean and all the way through and on destroyer. I cannot listen to those two songs, guys. I have to skip, listen, and then skip. Yeah, but I respect it. You know what? But I respect it. So where 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 are you going? For 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 me, I'm I'm in the same boat. I'm shocked you are because here's the beauty of Destroyer is you can argue its iconicness and the and the hits are so strong that it's it's evergreen, Mm -hmm. right? Like it's it's Mm -hmm. it's like the level that those like the impact of those songs not only on Kiss for the fan base but they're like they're still here right and only yeah. dr love is the representation for there's Rock nothing Rover. from rock but Rover. if you're making me judge an album like start to finish great expectations and sweet pain for that band for for destroyer to have the highest of the highs of kiss ever mm-hmm. it has like those two songs are so low that whereas rock and roll over you, you you could say a lot of the songs are mid compared to the quality of Detroit King, shout it out loud. Sure. But it's but there's a stop party one through yeah. nine. Like it's, evenness, it's there's yeah. no skips and the Gene songs are better, which is the number one thing. So if I'm thinking of the complete album, mm-hmm. and then man, I love Baby Driver. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's <laughs> a here, fun song. And here's the thing too, and and this is not a bad thing, but. There's something about the rawness of them. And I've said this before. It's like, it's like the four guys just went back into the basement, into the garage and did rock and, and roll did over the other. And the there was no more Bob. Yeah. There was no more of that. Like we're going to do voices in the background. We're going to do, we're going to add in all these sound effects and different instruments and organs and violins. And right. It's just the four of them rock and rolling over. Yeah, And that, to me, is why that album, man, I think about this all the time, you know? I'm like that picture in bed where you ever see the meme where the ladies <laughs> thinks the husband's, like, cheating oh, on her? Yeah. And in, well, in what, what's mind, he really thinking of? It's going, I'm not, not sure his rock and roll over better than his <laughs> strength. Right. 
But yeah, guys, rock and roll over is um, it's like a clean Rob. I, I hate to repeat, but it's just boom, straight through. Go ahead, yep. let it go. And if I stop somewhere, I'll pick it right up from where it was. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like if I'm working out or if I'm in the car and get back in the car, I'm like, yeah, just boom. Let's yeah. Just so you guys are going to go rock and roll over destroyer. Yes. Hot in the shade. Yeah. Yes. I am making the slight alteration of hot in the shade, rock and roll over destroyer. I uh, just, that's fair. Just from where my heart's beating, there are less, the skip songs on hot in the shade, even though it's a heavy 15 songs, I like them more than I like great expectations and sweet. Those sweet pain so like they hold they hold it so i mean it's such a great album it's mm-hmm. it's high on the list but it's the, like those two could really kind of wait i know somebody could say oh my gosh you know cadillac dreams is on hot in the shade yeah mm. I, I i know and here's the thing too like no disrespect to other kiss fans but so many of them have to destroy it number one that's fine. Like I'll yeah. give you that, but I also oh, think I could the never, beauty. I could never argue with anybody. But the yeah. beauty of what we're saying too is we're kind of being like not that not that anyone's not being honest, but we're literally saying for us three, those two songs we cannot give them a pass the way people do. Most I can't. So yeah. I I almost really respect us all three for going. Hey, it's the most iconic one, hmm. yet it's not necessarily the best one. And even Rob's got a third. We have it second. And as more albums round out, I'm not quite sure where it's going to end hmm. up for all of us. But I really respect that about us. And not that anyone's wrong putting it number one, but we just say, hey, those two songs really are uh, for us. So we're actually going to penalize it as opposed to just default saying, yeah. not saying people are defaulting, but in our minds, it could be so easy to say, Oh, it's got those songs. It's number one. Come on. How could you argue that? Yeah. But we're going no soup for you. Destroyer. <laughs> the last little part here that we'll do on the kiss album releases. We're going to go around the room. Now we got a quick little catch up to do with hot in the shade and rock and roll over to get to destroyer. We're each going to pick one song to make a right between the eyes playlist of our favorite Kiss songs. By the time we review all these albums, you should have a playlist of all of our favorite songs. We could all pick the same song, and that's going to be the only song from the album, or there could be two, or there could be three. So from Hot in the Shade, Nick, what's your pick from the album? You're pulling one off to throw on your best of. What song are you pulling? I'm going to go rise to it. Wow. I love that song, man. It's a great opener. It's another fantastic opener. That's so. I was yeah, but there's a lot of great songs on that album. But I was not gonna pick that. But now I am. Yeah, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say, rise to it too. It's fun. Like I didn't want to copy you, but I didn't expect you to say rise Mm. to it. I'm gonna say rise to it. Because I was gonna go with hide your heart, and I've been playing rise to it. It's fun. I'm because it forever is on there. Big hit. My wife, you know what? Hearts, there's some great songs on there, man. You know what? I'm going to pull forever. I want to hit Hide Your Heart, but due to that, it's the wife and I's wedding song. I'm, yeah. I'm sticking forever in there. That right? was going to be mine if I didn't say Beautiful. Rise to It. That, oh, rise to It. Rise to It's that's tough because I really dig that tune. I'm, I'm going to go forever. All right. Rock and roll over, Nick. I got to go Take Me, man. I love Take Me. I've loved Take Me since the first time I heard it lucky to see it live once i just love take me man put your hand in my pocket listen 
making love is, yeah. is just, sure. And just, it's great, dude. It's just, I, it's hard to argue that. I can't you know? even finish my sentence. It's just so, it's just so, it's, it's just dirty. It it's just great. is, you it know. Is. And I'm not going to finish the sentence and it's let the audience roll. fill it it's in, guys. Rock, it's rock and roll. It's, it really is what it is. It making just, love, you know, it I, just is. Rob, keep going. I just I hate. Fun. When the dog says, wait, 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 wait. wait. Yeah. Making love my favorite track off the album. I love it. I see him do it live a couple times. Just it's a blast. So, all right. Destroyer. Dude, I, this is, it's so hard for me here because I'm, it's either King of the nighttime world or flaming youth, King of the nighttime world or flaming youth. I'm going to have to go King of the nighttime world. I, I, well, I did. I love that freaking song. I I love that song. Even I started, I wrote an F for flaming. You're thinking you yeah. were going to, wow. No, I got to go King of the Nighttime World. I just adore that song. It's just going to sound strange to you because I think I like flaming you just a little better. But man, I can't. I Even live right now, I would prefer because they play it better. King okay. of the Nighttime World sounds better. They played it more. Flaming the Youth is such a treat, but it still never sounds that great live. It's It's too edited. It's too short. And they don't. They just don't do it the right way. Sweet pain. And Danico just got kicked off his own podcast. No, I'm kidding. Got kicked <laughs> off the podcast. You know, this is hard because I could go basic. I could go hot or I could copy you. This is so, and I hate to say that this is basic, but it's, I'm a movie guy. I'm a comic book guy. And man, Detroit Rock City yeah. has that all for me. Sure. And it's so, like I said, I know I kind of sounded hypocritical when I complimented God of Thunder mm-hmm. and Do You Love Me, but I mainly said only song that I will definitively show someone the studio version of from Kiss is Detroit Rock City, the full version with the crash and everything. It's it's pretty Which masterful. Is, yeah. I, I'm I'm gonna be basic, but it's all the things I love are in this song. And in my own head, canon, I make a story out of it. It's Detroit Rock City for me. Deuce, I'm the same way. Detroit Rock City. Okay, cool. Wow, cool. Yeah. Cool. Folks, that concludes our look at the Destroyer 45th anniversary box set and our review for Destroyer. So it's been fun. We've got a f- couple other big reviews this year, album reviews coming in, and they're not all Kiss, and they're all right around 30, but we got another kind of big Kiss one coming. That's a little later in the year. More on that later. But guys, where can the good folks find you out there on the internet if they want to talk about why Sweet Pain is a is a better song and we just don't know it? Please hit me up at N Caruso Jr. on Twitter. And I'd love if everybody could follow us at our other show, which is the Vigilante 1939. I do a show. It's the three Nicks. This guy here to my left, our good friend Nick Zednick. And that show is all about DC Comics, Marvel Comics, Star Wars. Just so much great stuff coming on. We break down the movies, the television shows, Spider-Man, Batman. It's all good, man. Well said. You can follow me at Nico Caruso, N-I-K-K-O-C-A-R-U-S-O on Twitter, Instagram, Letterbots, and TikTok. I do movie reviews on TikTok. I also do a Spider-Man podcast with my dad, the man to my right, and our good friend, Mr. Peter Vera at the Italian Spider-Man Coalition, Three Paisans, talking about the web hub that's at Italians for the number four Spidey. And genuinely, 
if you like great expectations and sweet pain, please DM me. I will not make fun of you. I will not argue with you. I genuinely want to meet someone who loves those two songs and tell me why they're great. You could tweet at me for anything. I will respond. You could DM me. I will respond. I promise. I love talking to people on Twitter. It's like my second home. I'm only positive. I'm I try not to be toxic. If you really like those songs, I'm I'm imploring you, please DM me and because I, I want to know why, not to make fun of you, because I would love to hear why. Great expectations made Kiss Symphony. I mean, they thought that's, it enough that's, to that's what I'm of saying. all the songs. Of all the songs. Of all the albums, right? <laughs> could have been Sweet Pain. It I think could have done anything. Anything. <laughs> you can find me, Rob, at Drummer Rob 10 on Twitter. And you can find my other show about Robin Tim Drake, the third and greatest Robin for Batman at ELTD Podcast, where I do a show with my three brothers now, uh Jay Oz, Terrence O'Neill, and Ryan Haas. And uh we're continuing on Tim Drake's journey through the comics in the 90s. So on the behalf of the Carusos, I'm Rob, and you've been listening to Right Between the Eyes, a KISS podcast, and we will see you guys with the boys from England coming up very shortly. Pour some sugar on us. You've been listening to Right Between the Eyes, a KISS podcast. All music and sound clips belong to their respected copyright holders. No infringement is intended in any way by this show. It's used to enhance your listening pleasure and to make the show come more alive. So if Gene could not send his lawyers, that would be amazing. You can get a hold of us a few different ways. We are on Twitter at RBTE Podcast. You can find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Right Between the Eyes Podcast. We are also on Instagram and YouTube as well. You can also email into the show and we will read all emails and this will allow you to participate in the discussion. You can do so at rightbetweentheeyes at gmail.com. Get in touch with us. We'd love to hear from you. We hope that you have enjoyed this episode and hear why Kiss is still the hottest band in the world and why they still hit us right between the eyes. See you in a few weeks, Kiss family.